Thank you for taking time to listen to this sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this message, you are challenged and encouraged by the Word of God and grow in your love for God and love for others. It is God's desire for us to be members of and regularly participate in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you are not attending a local church right now, we encourage you to take that step. If you do live in the North York area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to visit us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings to discern if this is the church God is leading you to. Father, we just thank you so much for this time to come before your holy throne and give you praise. We thank you, Lord, that we are yours for those who put their faith in you, Jesus. We thank you that you watch over us, that you strengthen us, that you uphold us. God, you are more than we could ever ask for or imagine, and we just give you praise right now. And we pray, Lord, that as we move into a time of learning from your scriptures, from the the truths that you have given us through time, uh, would you just open our hearts and our minds, Lord, to understand more of who you are. And for those who are here that don't know you, Lord, may they see your holiness. May they see your grace. May they see your love. Help us to be more like you every day, Jesus. In your name we pray all these things. Amen. 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 All right, if you have Bibles with you, you can turn to Luke 18. Luke 18, we're going to be going from verses 15 to 17. So we're doing two verses today, and the title of the message is Living Like Our King and Kids. Living Like Our King and Kids. Now, this story is a very short story, but it's one of the stories that's repeated in two other Gospels. Matthew and Mark choose to repeat this story. And 2 Peter 1.21 says, No prophecy was ever put down by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit saw it fitting that this story should be repeated multiple times for you. Because it has multiple lessons for living. See, this is the kind of story in the Bible where you just kind of gloss over. Right? It's between the Pharisee who kind of is full of himself. It's in between the lady who's persistent in prayer. It's followed by the rich young ruler. And so you pay attention to all of those stories, but you might be tempted to just read and move on. But this is not one of those ones that you want to read and move on from. It's full of lessons for living. So if you're ready for the word, say, let's go. If you're ready for the word, say, let's go. All right? Trying to make sure you woke up, right? It's dark outside. It's rainy. But we're going to get into it. Verse 15 says, People were bringing infants to him so that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Jesus, however, invited them. Let the little children come to me and don't stop them. Because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly. Now that word truly could be translated amen. Because it's, what Jesus is about to say. So you notice sometimes in the Bible, Jesus goes, truly, truly. He's like, amen, amen. What he's saying is, pay attention to what I'm about to say. Because what I'm about to say is very important. 
What I'm about to say is something you do not want to miss. What I'm about to say is something that's going to help you live your life in a way that brings glory to God. He says, truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it, will never enter it. Father, we thank you for your word. And we pray, God, that as we look into it, that we would be attentive, that we would see and believe that you have something for us as we come to it. We pray, Father, that you would fill us with your spirit again in a new and fresh way so that we hear from you, so that we're moved, so that we're empowered to live like our king and to live like kids. We pray that you would help us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So people are bringing kids to Jesus, says that people are bringing them to him. Now, you got to understand that that's pretty big, what they're doing. Because kids in this culture, I talked about this in a previous sermon, they're not valued in this culture. In this culture, some kids would be abandoned. They would be left on the streets to die. And so this is not a small thing that these people are doing. Here's the other thing. Infant death and illness was really common back then. And so when they're, it says that they're bringing the kids to Jesus, what they're doing is they're bringing the, these children to Jesus for a healing touch because they believed that he could heal. And so in that one little word there, they're bringing them to Jesus. There's this reminder of what we're supposed to do with the sick people in our life. One of the realities of living in a broken world is that people get sick. But we also, we know we have a king who can heal. And so one of the best things you can do for the sick people in your life is bring them to Jesus in prayer. Because if he wants to, he can heal them. And so we pray and ask for healing. People are doing the right thing. But the disciples are doing the wrong thing. Right? We, 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 we understand the disciples, right? Raise your hand if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Come on. Come on. Do you get, come on, come on, Selena, put them up. Do you get some things right sometimes? Yes. Do you get some things wrong sometimes? Yes. That's part of being a disciple. Notice that it says that the people were bringing infants to him so that he might touch them, but when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. The disciples are being bodyguards. They're saying, Jesus is too busy. They're saying, Jesus, do you know who this is? He's, too, he's, he's, he's raising people from the dead. He is healing people. He is powerful. He's too important. What they're saying is, Jesus does not have time for these kids. And they're wrong. Jesus says, verse 16, Jesus, however, invited them. Notice that. He says, come. He invited them. Let the little children come to me and do not stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Kids are welcomed by the king. He welcomes them because he loves them. He loves them because he made them. You understand this? The young ones in our church, made by you, made by God, not here by accident. Wonderfully made, the text says. Now think about what that should do for, let me just put it to you, what it should do for your self-esteem. Sometimes we look at ourselves, we're, not, we're just not happy with the way we are, with the way, but God's like, I put you together like that. I made you, and I don't mess up. And so you should, you should be good with what God has, how God has blessed you and made you. 
want you to know that making time for kids, Jesus doing this, shows that he's willing to make time for anyone. you got to think about this. Kids push to the side. Jesus is like, no, I'll make time. See, you're in the faith. You and I, we're in the faith. Why? Because Jesus made time for us. Think about this. You, me, trapped in sin. What could Jesus do? He could have ignored us. But he didn't do that. I wonder if there's anybody that's glad that Jesus made time for them. That he didn't ignore you, but Jesus came and he saved you, rescued you, and is in the process of transforming and changing your life. Let the children come to me, Jesus says. And there's some things, other things, I want us to take away from this. I told you, this passage is full of lessons for living. Let me give you some. Our king went against the grain, and following him means you have to do the same. When he says, let the children come to me, Jesus is not allowing the culture to shape his behavior. Remember, they're not doing what, they they don't do this for kids. But Jesus is like, no, I'm not like that. He invites them. He welcomes them. He's refusing to compromise on his conviction. What Jesus is doing is he is swimming upstream. He is going against the grain. And you live in a culture that's always trying to tell you to compromise on your convictions. Biblical ones. Not just any ones. Biblical convictions. Because you live in that culture that's pressing you saying, nah, just compromise here a little bit. Just compromise here a little bit about kids. Just compromise a little bit here about gender. But we hold on to our convictions. When we choose to live like Jesus, when we choose to swim upstream, you know what you're doing? You're showing the culture that I am here ready to please God, not people. There's a ton of people, when you look at their life, the thing that's going on with their behavior is that they're just just living by the fear of man. They're fearing man instead of fearing God and no one else. Here's this next one. Correction is part of the discipleship process. Oh yeah, you should write that down. Correction is part of the discipleship process. The disciples were wrong. And what did Jesus, he showed them. His action said, what you're doing, you're like the disciples, really, they had bought into the culture. They're behaving like the culture. Sometimes we do that. And sometimes you open up the word and you realize when you look down, you're like, what am I doing over here? The word says I'm supposed to be over here. This correction is part of the process. We're on this flight called the gospel, and it's going to take you to heaven. But while you're on the way, there's going to be missteps. I say this all the time because it's one of my favorite things to say. Brother Anthony says this. You always got to be ready to be corrected, right? Say amen over there. Come on. Yeah. This is a talking church. You got to be ready to be corrected because we haven't arrived. That's the thing. You are not yet glorified. It's going to happen. But it hasn't happened yet. You're still dealing with the flesh. Old habits are there. We're going to make missteps and we're going to be corrected. And when correction hurts, because sometimes it does, right? It's not easy for a person to speak into your life. Just remember Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. 
And sometimes it's tempting when you're being corrected, if you're like me, to get defensive. Say, yeah, it's true. Tempting to get defensive. Now, you just remember, and I'm not making this up. This is literally a verse in the Bible. Proverbs 12, verse 1. The one who hates correction is stupid. Sometimes we're reading the Bible at home with the boys, and they see that. They're like, we're not supposed to stay stupid. I'm like, sometimes it's okay to say stupid because it's in the script. If you don't like to be corrected, the Bible literally says you're you're stupid. Do you know why? Because you're cutting. The boys are laughing right there. You're cutting off the discipleship process. You're stopping the work of God in your life when you get the, Think about how much a person has to love you enough to speak the truth in love. The people who really care about you tell you what's true. You live in a culture that's lying to you all the time. Just telling you what you want to hear. Sometimes we need to hear what we don't want to hear to get where we need to go. Faithful are the wounds of a... Don't cut off the process that God's trying to do in your life. Here's this next one. Don't make it hard for kids to come to Jesus. The disciples are being a wall. They're supposed to be a door. But they're making it hard. That's what we want to avoid. Here's how. You make it easy. Don't make it hard to come, for kids to come to Jesus. Here's how to do it. Tell them, tell kids the gospel. Bring them to Jesus by telling them about Jesus. This is the one, the lover of your soul. Here's this next one. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you practice what you preach. There's a whole bunch of people who are not following Jesus, a whole bunch of kids who have run from Jesus because of hypocritical Christians. And so you ask the Spirit to help you practice what you preach. Here's this next one. Be wise about the voices that you allow in your child's life. Now, I'm not, now some of you are sitting there, you're like, Marv, I don't have kids. Okay, but raise your hand if you're in Christ. Put your hand up if you're in Christ. Come on. I'm not yelling. I'm just trying to get you involved. Put your hand up if you're in Christ. Which, what that means, you have brothers and sisters in Christ. Which means, at this moment where you're like, oh, he's talking about kids. I don't have kids. I'm ready to kind of check out. Don't check out. You know why? Because this church, you have all, in this church, you have all kinds of nieces and nephews. And so you're responsible. We talk a lot about we want church to be a community. We want it to be a family. This is part of your responsibility in this family and community. The young ones. And so pay attention. Don't be wise about the voice that you allow in your child's life and your nieces and nephews' lives. And I'm not saying here you got to shelter kids. You don't want that either. Right? You just kind of tuck them away in a bubble. And then they go out there and they're like, oh, I didn't know it was like this out here. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is you help them. You prepare them to process the things they're going to read, listen to, and hear. The people that are going to talk to them. Get them ready for the wilderness. That is actually what they're going going to. This next one. Give kids A balanced picture of God. Give kids a balanced picture. Growing up, I got an unbalanced picture of God. I I actually think all the adults in my life were just trying to scare me into the kingdom. 
Because it was fire and brimstone all the time. God was this angry judge, this angry man in the sky that if you just ever make a misstep, boom! That is an unbalanced picture of God. You help kids understand that, yes, God is a, a judge. Yes, God does not like sin. That is true. But you also help them see that God is a father that will protect you. You help kids see that God is a shepherd that is going to guide you through all of life. You help kids see that God is a king that rules over everything. And that is the one you want. That's the king you want to be under. No king is as good as our king. And so you give them this balanced view so that it's easy for them to come to God, to trust God. I'm going to keep going. Jesus showed kids that they were important, and so should we. Let the little children come to me and don't stop them. The culture left kids on the fringes until they were old enough to be useful. You know what they said? I cannot get anything from you, so I'm going to ignore you. That's what, that's what that communicated. Again, Jesus didn't do that. And he leaves us an example to follow. You show kids they're important by playing with them. Just, just kick a ball. Throw a ball. Get hit in the face with a ball. Sometimes they whip it right at you. Just playing with them. Talking to them. Just sometimes I watch you guys after the service, and it's beautiful. You're all talking to each other. Talk to some of the kids. What's your name? Where do you go to school? What do you, what's your favorite show? Paw Patrol? <laughs> Goose. He's the best. I love that laugh. Just talk to them. The next one, praying with them. Just pray with them. Maybe again, after service, just ask one of the little ones, what'd you learn down in Hope Kids? Can I pray with you about that? You'd be surprised. You'd be like, yes. Is there anything that you're worried about this week? Maybe you're going back to school. You're a little bit stressed about that. Can I pray with you on that? Yeah, let's do that. How about by listening to them? Sometimes we're around kids and we're just, again, we're doing all the talking. And they're just like standing there doing one of these, like, man, I wish you'd stop talking. I got a couple of things I'd like to say. But they don't say it. Just listening. Listening and learning from kids. I've, I've learned, when I, when I became a dad, I thought, man, I'm just going to be doing all the teaching. And then these, you know, four guys like showed up to the house, rolling deep. And there's all kinds of learning going on at our house. Kids will teach you to be patient. Kids will teach you just to be forgiving. I've never seen people as forgiving. They're just like, yeah, I, I made a misstep there. Can you forgive me? Yeah, I forgive you, Dada. Like that. And we're like, I can't. That's, it's been like 10 years, and I can't forgive that person. I don't even want to. They'll teach you how to be forgiving. They'll teach you to be consistent. Because you'll learn that if you're not consistent, That's one of the fastest ways to disappoint a child. They will teach you to be resilient. Think about what some kids bounce back from. I've watched some kids in our church who are struggling through different things, different sort of illnesses, and the level of resilience that you see in their life when I talk to the parents and how much the parents are saying, we're learning from this child. Be willing to listen and learn. How about serving them? 
And I want to say, there's a ton of people who have, I've, I've seen it. I've seen people downstairs in Hope Kids shirts that I'm like, oh, I didn't expect to see you here. Jumping in and serving. And thank you for that. We should clap for the people who are <laughs> serving our young kids. But I want to say, I'm going to turn it. If you're not serving, you should. And here's why. It's not so that we just get it so that it runs smooth. We want it to run smooth. It's, but it's not that. You have no idea how much God might use you to transform and change a child's life. Sometimes we're sitting there we're like, I want to make a difference in people's lives. It's like, yeah, go downstairs. I don't know. It's a little early. You don't know how much God might use you if you take a step of faith. Here's this next one, making time for them. I want to say this specifically to parents. Parents, it's good to spend quality time with your kids, but make sure that there's quantity time. Quality and quantity. And what that means is sometimes, you know the phone, just put it away. The show, skip it. And, just, and when work stops, stop. And be present. And again, some of you are like, I'm not parents. You don't know if God's going to bless you with a child and you might have to come back and listen to this message. <laughs> Just stop. This last one. Look out for vulnerable people and help them when you can. Jesus, however, invited them. Let the little children come to me and don't stop them because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, when Jesus does this, he is helping the vulnerable here. Think about this. The kids can't stand up for themselves. But Jesus does that. And when you read the Gospels, what you find is Jesus is always helping the little ones, the unknown ones, the powerless ones. Think about this. He served the poor. People ignored them. He discipled women. Rabbis in that culture would not do that. Just go back to Luke 10. He sits, he sits with Mary and this helps her grow in the faith. The woman at the well, when the disciples show up, they're surprised. And they're surprised because he's talking to a woman. And there were people in that culture that believed in doing that, you were literally wasting your time. But again, Jesus is like, that's not me. That's not God. And so he helped. He stood up for kids. He served the poor. He discipled women. He, think about this. He included the uneducated. The disciples. Some of these brothers couldn't read. But he says, come. Come and watch me transform your life. Come and watch. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I'm going to put you to work. Because even though some people might put a label on you, and they might say you're this and you're that. God says you are made in his image, and so you're valuable, you matter. When we follow Jesus, that's what we're saying. When we serve and help the vulnerable, that's what we're saying. We're telling them, yes, the culture might ignore you, but God welcomes you. Yes, the culture might say you're nothing, but God says you're valuable. Yes, some days you might feel unseen, but you're seen. Yes, some days you might feel unloved, but you are loved by God, and he's showing that to you just through my actions because I'm willing to step in. Let the little children come to me, verse 16, and don't stop them, 
Because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. If you ever look this verse up in the CEV, the contemporary English version, it says it like this. People who are like these children belong to God's kingdom. That's why the message is living like our king and kids. People who are like these children belong to God's kingdom. Kids are held up as models by the king. I want you to notice that Luke says that they were bringing infants. He didn't say they were bringing teenagers. Right? He said they were bringing infants. Now think about infants. What are they like? They trust their parents. Think about infants. They depend on their parents. Think about an infant. They'll cry for help, won't they? Oh, you're not bringing me that milk? I'll show you what's up. They will cry for help. See, I want you to know that the infant, we're going to put this baby in context. The infant is the exact opposite of the Pharisee in verse 11 and 12. Look backwards. Jermaine did a good job on this last week. I'm just going to hop on it a little bit here. He says, the Pharisee standing and praying like this about himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, greedy, unrighteous, adulterous, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of everything I get. What do you hear there? Trusting in himself. Depending on, no, just bring in his record. Look at my record. I'm good, God. Not like the infant. Depending on himself. Notice also, he asks for no help. He just says, thank you, I've arrived. No help. Pride. Not Humility. Kingdom people don't live like that. Kingdom people. We live like infants. Oh, I want you to get this. We depend on God in everything and for everything. No dependence on self. Because we know that our help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And so I'm saying, my God is king. So why am I going to depend on myself? My God is in charge, so why am I going to trust myself? My God is ruling over everything, so why am I going to just try to fight through that thing? Why not just choose to pray and ask God for help? Why not be like an infant and say that without you, God, I know I cannot make it through this life. Sometimes some of us are struggling so much, and when you look what's really going on is that you're just depending on yourself, and all week you have never bowed the knee and said, God, I need help. You have not gone to your father. You're living like the Pharisee and not like the infant. And the Bible calls that pride. And I've been there. Been in that spot. Sometimes I catch myself doing certain things and and I'm like, what's going on there? I'm just trying to do it without God. I'm not living like an infant. And I'm not saying it's, it's hard, right? But we are to be in that place of trusting God, depending on God. Now, most of you know this, that I spent most of July coaching ball, coaching basketball. And it was hot. Just up here at Downsview at the Hoop Dome, some, we got we to do a fundraiser and get them AC. I thought kids were going to, Wilson, yeah, Wilson and Drew were there one week, hot. I mean, different kind of hot. And so... An ice cream truck would show up every week, right? Smart ice cream truck, right? 
Yeah, that's, there's money over there. I'm going to go turn on that. What's that? I don't know the ice cream song, you know, just going around the block. I'm going to do that. I just got to park. Whole bunch of, bunch of kids in here playing basketball for two hours, almost dying. Probably going to make some sales. Just park. So the truck would park. And the kids would come out. And the parents would always offer to buy ice cream. And the kids would always accept. You know what I never saw? I never saw a kid reach for his wallet, ever. Not a single child. There was all kinds of ice cream eating going on, but nobody went for a wallet. Do you know why? Because kids are experts in receiving. Oh yeah. Just give me that. That's why they can't sleep on Christmas. They love gifts. They're experts in receiving. None of the boys tried tried to add anything. We go for bubble tea a decent amount at our house. You know what I never hear from the boys? Yo, dad, can I put five on that? Never. (laughs) They just receive. They don't try to add. And that illustrates the sort of attitude Jesus wants us to have. We're in this place where we say, nothing in my hand I bring, only to the cross I cling. I try to add nothing to enter the kingdom. I, tr- I simply receive the gift from Jesus Christ. I have my faith in him. I believe he has died for me. I know, yes, I'm a sinner, but if I just trust in Jesus, I will receive the gift of God. And I don't try to come and say, look at the ways I've preached for you. Look at the ways I've served over here. Look at the stuff I've done in the community. I just simply lay down and say, if it wasn't for the cross, there's nothing going on here. All we do is receive. They illustrate the attitude God wants us to have. Here's why the humble attitude is crucial. Verse 17, truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom like a little child will never enter it. This text wants you to slow down and ask yourself, am I living like the Pharisee or am I living like the infant? It wants you to check yourself. Am I trusting in God, my father, my good parent, or am I trusting in myself? Am I trying to earn my salvation? Am I trying to earn my way into the kingdom rather than receiving it like a little child? The Pharisee was convinced that he was great. But kids... Show us the way. Matthew 18, 2 to 4 says, He called a small child and had him stand among them. So Jesus brings the, this is the other, the other spot where this story is told. Jesus brings the child and he said he had the child stand among them because he's like, watch, look at this child, pay attention. And he said, whoever humbles himself like this child, this one is the greatest In the kingdom of heaven. So many of us, so many people in our culture are chasing greatness. Want to be great. And here in the Bible, kids show us the way. 
They show us the way to greatness, the way into the kingdom is being humble. Humbly receiving things like a child. Growing up is good. You want to grow up in some ways. But here's the other thing. In some ways, it's really healthy to stay a kid. It's good to grow up, but it's good to stay humble like a child. And one sign that you're humble like a child is prayer. Just asking for help. And we're going to do that right now. John and Steph are going to come. I'm going to get out the way. I'm done. And they're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to bless, take care of our kids, help teachers, teachers in the church, teachers outside the church as school uh, gets back. So let's stand, I believe, and then we're going to pray. Hey, thanks a lot, Pastor Marv. It's good to come together to get to go to our Father now. Um, as Marv said, we'll be praying as we enter this new season of school uh, for the kids in our church and our communities, for those involved. We invite you to pray along with us. So we'll uh, be going through those different categories. And, and as we do, bring to mind those who are in your lives uh, also in those different groups. Let's bow our heads together. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray for the students that are heading off to school this season. I pray that they would be instruments of mercy, that they would be beacons of love, they would stand firm in the truth of your word, the seeds planted in their hearts. I pray that they would know their worth is not in their grades or in what they accomplish or do, but rather in who they are, who they are becoming, little women and little men of character. I pray they would point their friends and teachers to a hope that is beyond this life, that they would know that you have placed them where they are for this very reason. Father, we pray also for the young adults in our church and families who are heading off to campuses, at colleges, and universities next week. What an opportunity for growth in their faith and impact for the kingdom. Yeah, how the world will clamor for their attention and seek to choke out their relationship with you. Would you help them grow in wisdom and make the best use of the time, both to develop their minds academically and also of disciples of Jesus, who grow in their understanding of your grace and are not ashamed of the gospel. Provide them with community among other believers this month, Lord, even, and use them to befriend and encourage the brothers and sisters they meet. Lead them not in temptation, but deliver them from evil. You say that those who walk by the Spirit will not gratify the desires of the flesh, so help them, Spirit, to be fill, full of you and to learn to walk by you. As they discover more about who you made them, I pray they would hold fast an identity in you as your beloved. Lord, I pray for us parents. I pray that we would continue to see our role as the primary disciplers of our kids. Would you create in us, O oh Lord, a burden to pray for those within our kids' sphere of influence, their friends, their teachers. Would you help use them to mold our kids in good ways, in ways which they would grow in joy and peace, patience and kindness, gentleness and faithfulness, goodness and self-control. Would these fruit of the Spirit be modeled in their lives, in our lives, in our marriages for them to see? And Lord, would you help us rely on your Spirit to strengthen us? Lord, we need you every hour. We need you as parents. Uh, being a parent is such a high calling, and we're hopelessly weak without you. 
Would you help us love our kids with gentleness and a kindness that leads to repentance? Would you help us see our children as traveling lights that go out to a dark corners of a world that we may never reach? And God, for the teachers and educators, counselors, administrators, and custodial staff, homeschooling parents and principals, help them in their roles as they serve in varied ways the coming generation. Thank you for those among us you have called to these professions. Would you help them sense your purpose in so doing and rely on you for that stewardship? Help them see the potential in the students and children they serve, not only academically, but as souls made in your image. Use them as mentors to form their character and inspire wonder in the world that you have made. Would they know how to answer when the cultural winds pressure them to teach or act in a way that compromises your truth and be merciful to them when they face persecution? Through your common grace, would you help all those involved in education this fall to perform their jobs well so that our young people be blessed through their efforts? Lord, thank you for the gift of children in our church and our communities. Thank you for these uh, who've come into the service right now, the blessing they are to us. And thank you that we can call you Father as your children and that you go with us into this next season. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.